Today we're talking about one of our favorite holidays, Screw Flag Day. It's time for Oktoberfest. We're going to cover the history, the celebration, the statistics, and most importantly, the beer of this German festival. So come in and have a drink. Welcome to the show where you learn along with us about the glorious drink called beer. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. So just to bring up, start the episode with some corrections from last week. Uh, Anchor Brewing that we talked about, uh, Miller Coors bought a certain stake in. It actually was St. Archer Brewing out of San Diego. Uh, We had said Anchor in there. This is why we're going to bring up some corrections when we get them. Because you might... uh... Look at the print of those two names, and they look strikingly similar. Especially when you're like us and you can't see. <laughs> Sometimes we're just dumb. Eh. No, I can see just fine. My vision's perfect. I'm just, I'm just a stupid. <laughs> uh, and, and I messed up on um, where Southern Tier Brewing is from. It is actually New York and not Colorado. Yeah, God. Yeah. Jeez. At least some of us are perfect. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> And that is it for the corrections as far as I'm aware. But again, we'll get feedback once all three of these are posted. Please tell me whenever those two are wrong. Uh, don't don't mention me, though. I, I like to keep that illusion. <laughs> all right, with that, we'll move into some brief news. Uh, all right. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a reoccurring theme on this show, but uh, it seems the big news for now is another merger. Beer Giants, Anheuser-Busch, InBev, and Saab Miller going to merge, or at least that's the rumor. Seems to be no one coming out with any hard facts about the whole thing, unless that's changed recently right after this recording, in which case I look like an idiot. But as of right now, no one can say for certain, but there is a strong rumor that they are going to attempt a merger, so much so that Saab Miller's shares shot up. Like, just on the rumor, they shot up, I believe it was nearly 14%, bringing them back up because over the past year, they had dropped 11%. I was going to say, that's what stocks do, though. Someone makes a rumor of a, of a merger, and everyone's like, let's, let's buy more. Yeah, I think the key example of that is, like, when Apple rumors happen, <laughs> their, yeah. their stock is just fun to watch after that. I mean, how do you feel about that? The two lar- you know, largest sort of beer companies, at least in America, merging together, how does that... It frightens me a little, but I don't make it a habit of partaking of their products, so I feel like it wouldn't affect me as much. But it does seem like this is the reason we're seeing this so much is these big brewers 
don't really know what to do about the current craft beer craze. So all they can do is buy up any and everything they can to try and keep their market shares up because that seems to be all this is. Constantly, all these companies are just buying up everything they can because our last story that we even had a correction from was about Miller buying up a brewery. Mm-hmm. And that's another big obstacle for this is no one knows what's going to happen to a lot of the companies like that that these companies own controlling stakes in or large stakes of because Heineken was also purchased recently, I believe last year, I'm not not entirely sure, by InBev. And Mm -hmm. if this merger does happen, they would probably have to sell all of those stakes off. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there's there's a whole lot of that you feel like could be just a, I don't know if it's conflict of interest, but still, it's like it's a, if you get so big, there's that monopoly fear, so. Yeah, that's the other thing. The government probably wouldn't even let this happen unless they had to sell a ton of these smaller companies off. Neither I would be worried about the the shelf space. That's a, a, a thing that we had, there was a documentary out, it was on Netflix a while back, about uh, the, kind of the, the comparison between the craft and the, the, the big three. And when you're that big, you get so much, you're, you're allocated by distributors so much shelf space in the stores. Not just the grocery stores, but like con, little little convenience stores, and it, I, I worry that, I mean, their, their allocation is already so large that I worry about them squeezing out the more localized things or more, more craft things. The, you see, I'm having, an, I'm having an odd thought being uh, from my bartending liquor ordering mind, which is just, man, you mean I don't have to go through two different distributors to get the things I need? Hmm... Well, that's a different perspective, and that's good. I mean, at the same time, I'm also like, like there's there's the part of me that's just afraid of just giant corporations merging together to form some Voltron of evil. Basically, when you turn around <laughs> to look at your taps, and they're all from one company. I think yeah, and that that's what it comes down to is like we we only we support the craft breweries because you kind of root for the underdog. You know, you're like yeah, you did your own thing, and you got you really love beer. And you got this idea together, and you're doing pretty well, and and good for you. And I want to support you. Whereas the the reason so many people are against the big three is because they're the antithesis of that whole American dream idea. In reality, they initially started out that way. Of course, Anheuser Busch, they have like one of the biggest, you know, most probably widely known stories, perhaps. And maybe we can go over that later on. But it's not. They they've so far surpassed. The small town brewery thing. They've that, made it. They've they've gone from they've gone from being young little Danielson, and now yeah. they're the kid. They're now they're the kid from Cobra Kai, who has no fear in his dojo. <laughs> You've got exactly. to see the video where they take out the inspirational music, and it makes <laughs> Daniel out to be <laughs> the bully in the whole situation. It's fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's. I don't know. It seems to be a ploy for InBev. They're trying to really get into the Southern Hemisphere. They want to move in where Miller owns a lot of brands in South America and in Africa, and these are budding beer markets, which are assumed to explode soon and be worth a lot of money. And to get in those markets, the rumor also is that they would have to sell off most of their European and Chinese stakes. Yeah, and they're... I mean, they they own a lot of of stuff over there. Like, uh, well, 
I, I keep getting a bit mixed up. Which one owns Heineken now? Imbev, Anheuser Busch. Right. And so, you say Imbev, we know it is Anheuser Busch, but Imbev bought Anheuser Busch back in '08, maybe. I can't remember. I mean, they're all such. It really is. I just picture like the Transformers, like just it's one thing on top of another on top. Of, I mean, just it's hard to keep them straight anymore, honestly. Because and, even the big the big guys are even getting bought out nowadays. Like we don't yeah. even know what's going on anymore. And Budweiser forms the head. Um, but. And then uh, one of the other articles had mentioned, it's kind of a, a, a in the long run or like a probably much farther down the road speculation that it would also affect other snack and beverage industries um, like soft drinks. And they mentioned the possible buyout of Coca-Cola. And that was primarily because some of them use the same bottling facilities, actually, oh, in yeah. different countries. But that's all... Okay, the whole this whole thing is set on speculation, and that's even wilder speculation. That's like, right, oh my right. god, the world's gonna end because of this merger. They're gonna buy Coke. Yeah, they're and gonna then buy you just Coke. picture it as the com- in as Carl's Jr. in Idiocracy, where they just it's that's everything. <laughs> they're gonna buy Coke. They're gonna buy Gatorade. They're gonna rename it Brondo, and then we're gonna start <laughs> watering our plants with Brondo. It's what plants crave. It is what plants crave. Okay, and I had uh, one more little thing, not really much of a news story, because this will be a whole episode possibly next year around this time. But this past weekend, we had the Great American Beer Festival out in Colorado. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Where a lot of our Cincinnati brewers uh, competed, and only one came away with a silver medal. We, We did not do good. We they, we did we did terrible. So 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 someone else runs Barter Town is what you're telling me. Someone else runs Barter Town. Probably the and, West Coast beers. Well, yeah, I believe it was Colorado beers are the in thing right now. And I'm gonna throw this one out here. This was I thought it was kind of funny. Can anyone guess what <laughs> the record setting entry was for a type of beer? Just based on current craft beer trends, which which category do you think had a record-setting amount of entries? I mean, I want to say Russian Imperial Stout, but I'm going to go with uh, with IPA. IPA, final answer. You indeed would be correct. The American-style <laughs> India Pale Ale had 336 entries. And going back over the list, it is over 100 entries to the next highest. Like, it just crushed everyone. So, yeah, everyone is obviously just nuts about IPAs, minus the three of us. Um. Well, and, and, you know, we'll cover, when we do the IPA episode, I think it'll be interesting for us to learn more about, what, you know, why that is, what, what sparked some of this, and the, maybe the history of it, just to figure out, like, why is this taken off so crazily? Yeah, there were 750 breweries that were in the festival hall, not all of them competing. Some of them were just there going, hey, try us. But it was pretty crazy. About 60,000 were there in attendance. But yeah, we'll do a whole episode on that, hopefully next year around this time. Just just thought we'd bring it up, because it's kind of topical. And it's, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, if you want to know how your local brewers did, if they went and competed, you can just go check it out. You can just Google... Yeah, Great American Beer Festival winners, they're all posted up. Like a million different sites have it. 
Alright, so I suppose it's time to move on to our on to our topic. Looks like uh, today's episode is about Oktoberfest, which you probably guessed from the opening. But we're gonna talk a little bit about, about why it's a thing. Why why people celebrate it, how it came to be. First sort of Oktoberfest happened around the year eighteen ten. Uh, in the honor of Bavarian Crown Prince Ludwig's marriage to Princess Theresa von Scheichen-Hildengasse. That's exactly how really, you say it. Don't. That's a really long name, guys. It's it's hard Super to say. I've had no German training. I don't know how to say it. Uh, I've had four years of German. I can't begin to say it. Hildenberghausen. Good enough. Hildenberghausen. <laughs> uh, You're in here, folks. But uh, yeah, festivities began around October 12th, 1810, and ended on October 17th with a horse race. So first of all, you might notice that's a little bit later than when most when Oktoberfest kind of happens now. Also, it's a very long time ago. But they they did it one year for a wedding, took a year off, and I'm at, I have to imagine like it's like all right, we we got married, honeymoon period, ruling things I guess they have to do, being a prince and princess, and then. Uh, they had a year with nothing. Then the year after that, someone went, man, we had a really good party a couple years back. Want to do that again? And so we and ended they up... said, yeah, we do. So they started making it an annual tradition. Some uh, some years later, I'm not quite sure when, but they decided to, uh, to push the date back because they went, yeah, man, you know it would be better about Oktoberfest? If the days were longer because the days were kind of short. If it was a nice long day in September. It was a little warmer as well, a little, little chilly. Yeah, a little chilly. So in let's, the middle of October, yeah. Right, so they, they pushed, they extended the celebration, they moved it up into September, and uh, weather's a little bit better around that time. So now people enjoy the te- the giant beer hall tents, stroll over to De Weissen, or the fields, for a longer uh, longer period of time. It used to be around, the, they used to celebrate around the last weekend of October. Now they kind of continue on until they start, when do they start? I had it up earlier, and I believe the countdown is seven days away. Yeah, so it's the the end of September, generally. Or the end of September, beginning of October. It depends on how the weekends fall. Yeah. Nowadays, it's the transition between September and October, essentially. Right. For Oktoberfest in Munich. Um, Actually, so we have statistics from Oktoberfest in 2014. This is in Munich, in Germany. They say that (laughs) the officials call it a relaxed Autumn Bison with a grand finale. <laughs> so about 6.3 million guests from Munich and all over the world visited the world's largest annual fair. Uh, 6.3 million visitors also brought a lot of hunger and thirst with them. Gosh, 112 oxen, 48 calves, and 6.4 million liters of beer. That's a liter of beer for everyone that comes. <laughs> That's kind of how it evens out, because there's going to be someone that doesn't drink a whole lot. And well, 6.3 everyone... million guests, 6.4 million liters. Because oh, <laughs> it's yeah, a smidgen yeah. up. Do your part. Drink that extra liter for your friend that has to drive you. <laughs> it's a tent security stopped a dazzling 112,000 people from taking their mug home with them. Wait, that, so, they don't come for free? Yeah, that's, I mean, right? That's <laughs> That's one of the greatest things, though, because the Hoffer House down here, they have some little historical facts and even JFK was busted for trying to steal his clay stein when he went to the one in Munich. I like to imagine him walking out just going, but, but ich bin ein Berliner. Ich bin ein <laughs> Berliner. But, and that's the thing. like they At the actual Oktoberfest celebration in Munich, 
they have the, the real, like the glass steins and the clay steins. Whereas opposed to like our local ones here, if you get a, a cup at all, it's plastic. <laughs> it is, so, but there's a nice little image printed on there. You don't yeah, get that yeah. with glass. This is true. Well, okay, not you Munich, do, anyway. but. <laughs> there are a few other statistics I like from the Munich Oktoberfest, I believe. Uh, these aren't the real popular ones. There were 449 violent assaults last year, 99 serious injuries, 58 brawls involving beer glasses, zero deaths. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, 759 people arrested, uh, 16 sexual offenses, and medical attention after drinking for 638 people. Wow. See, I wanted to make a joke in the middle of those, but it just seemed so sad I couldn't do it. And then there's also top objects lost in Munich. <laughs> there was a Segway that was lost. That? Two wedding rings, and I'm surprised it's only two. Yeah. One I hope they're for the same couple. I hope it's yeah. the same couple just happen to lose both their wedding rings. 400 keys, mm. 320 smartphones... 520 wallets, which I'm willing to bet weren't lost but pickpocketed. I mean, that's a that's a form of losing. <laughs> 1,065 IDs and passports, which that means there were a lot of very sad people. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, guys. You're stuck in Munich. And oh. eight children. What? <laughs> like... So you mean like they were lost and they've come back, right? They've since been found and we all have a happy ending. It just says top lost <laughs> objects. Eight children. Germany. We're just going to pretend that that's a, everything's okay. It worked out in the end. You get that many people together, though, and I, I there's going to be... Can't, I can't pretend everything's okay now. I, I'm sad now. All right, moving on. Yeah. Before I kill myself. <laughs> do you want to talk about... Well, we could talk about the, the style of beer. The, the beer du jour of Oktoberfest, I suppose. Yeah. The... Uh, the, the style, the the style attributed mostly to Oktoberfest is the uh, the Marzen style. It's a uh, let's find what beer advocate has to say about it. <laughs> well, it gives a, uh, a nice little bit of history here. Before re refrigeration, it was nearly impossible to brew beer during the summer due to hot weather and bacterial infections. You never want your your beer to get infected. Mm. Brewing ended with the coming of spring and began again in the fall. Uh, most were brewed in March or Marzen which is where you get the name of the style of beer. They were kept in cold storage over the spring and summer months or brewed at a higher gravity so they'd keep. And uh, it is a rich, full-bodied, toasty, and typically dark copper-colored beer with a medium to high alcohol content. Making me thirsty. Jeez. <laughs> mm. So it's a, uh, it's a nice sort of beer for the season. It's, it's a little heavier than, uh, than, say, a Pilsner or... Uh, some lagers. I will say, like, full body is actually a really good description of it, and it's it's one of the reasons I love going up for Oktoberfest. It, it's just a nice, filling kind of beer. You it tastes good, and you can drink a lot of it. Oh, so much. It goes down easy and stays mm -hmm. down remarkably well. Ever like a lot of people have different styles of it too. So you know you you're you will not be in any any trouble trying to find it. The easiest way to find it right now is to find any beer labeled Oktoberfest. Yeah. That's usually someone's take on a Marzen, and it's and they're by and large they're pretty good. I've not met one that I didn't like yet. Yeah, not really. Yeah. It may be the beer of uh, of Oktoberfest, but if you're in Munich, Germany, there's only so many 
breweries they're allowed to serve giant large tents. Oh yeah, Oktoberfest there, they have tight control over who's allowed to showcase their beer there, all of which have to adhere to the Bavarian purity standard. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a list of them. Just preface with, we're not German. We're not sure how to say some of these. We're going to do our best. We're not sure how to say any of them. And we will go ahead and post them on the website (laughs) on on this episode's page so that you can have a look. And if you're German and you want to correct us, that would be fine. Uh, of the list, we have the Augustiner Brau, the Hacker Peschor Brau, sure, why not? Uh, Lowen Brau, Polliner, uh, Spaten Brau, and uh, and then the Hofbrau Munich, obviously has theirs. They're one of the I know they're I don't know if they're one of the largest, but they're certainly one of the more, you know one of my more favorite ones of them. Although I don't mind a Spaten every now and then. I thought they had the. Um, at our Oktoberfest, but I guess not. They were there. Have... I saw them. I just had another beer already. Hmm. I might have one in my fridge right now. But <laughs> but yes, and then there's also Oktoberfest Cincinnati here in Cincinnati, Ohio. You'll find all kinds of Oktoberfests all over the world. This one's ours. We call it ours. We've taken ownership now. Uh, <laughs> the one in Cincinnati, the mayor of Munich has recognized it. It's, uh, he recognizes it as the largest Oktoberfest celebration other than his. The second largest in the world, but it, I think it's the biggest in the United States. And this is this is actually what's on Oktoberfest Zinzenati. These are with Z's. Oktoberfest Zinzenati. Their website says that it is the largest Oktoberfest celebration in the country, so in America. The mayor of Munich does come every year and bless the celebration, usually a couple weeks beforehand. He stays in the city for like a week, and he goes around and checks out all the breweries and makes sure everything's up to snuff. I I just love picturing him like the Pope coming around. <laughs> just It was like that. Like Media coverage was pretty much on par with the recent Pope visit for when he was here. Um, so in Cincinnati, the Oktoberfest celebration takes up most of downtown. It's like five blocks of Fifth Street in downtown Cincinnati. And... Um, don't try to drive those days. It's just... Oh, no. No, no, no. And we, there are a lot of uh, German societies. Cincinnati is actually um, German and Italian, mostly um, uh, by heritage, like settled, settled here. So there's a rich German heritage um, in the city. Including the neighborhood called Over the Rhine. Yeah. Yeah. If that says it, it's like the best preserved German architecture outside Germany. It's a pretty amazing place. Uh, Oktoberfest Cincinnati first started in 1976, and of course now it's grown to what it is today, uh, more than 500,000 people attending each year. So it's it's kind of huge. <laughs> By our standards, huge. Yeah. And given the time. That's a lot of people. That's in a weekend as opposed to the actual Munich Oktoberfest, which is weeks long. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, this this doesn't start... Now... now Starting this year, especially, um, it starts Friday evening, so... No, Friday afternoon. Oh, is it Friday afternoon? Yeah, right, right, right. Sorry. With um, the running of the wieners, which we attended this year, and is adorable. It is the cutest thing you'll ever see. They Wiener dress dogs, dogs and dogs up in hot dog costumes, and they run, they race. And it's the cutest thing in the world. It was like two hours of it, though, because we went down there thinking, oh, it's just going to be, yeah, be one round, they're going to let them run, we're all going to go, yeah, it's adorable, then we're going to have a beer. No, they're like, 
round one, now round two, now round three. We're like, okay, they're cute, but I'm I'm thirsty. <laughs> Partway yeah, through it, you're just like, God, why is this a round robin competition? How are these dogs still going? Yeah, well, there's so many. That's the thing. Anyone with a dachshund, I feel like, in the in the region was like, oh, I'm registering. Like this, ha- this is gonna happen. Do they drug test the dogs? They're like making sure like there's not like little doggy meth being distributed out so that he like runs. They should have. There was one that was way too pumped. That oh my god, the gosh, dogs was, were too was, pumped. Too <laughs> pumped. They were too pumped. So it's like when you hold a dog over water, like the videos that you see of the dogs like start paddling before they're even in the water. That's kind of what this dog was doing before the race even started. Like the owner was holding it up and it was just like its little paws were going. And he was, it was ready to go. Ready. He could have held yeah. the dog down close to the ground and smoke would have started coming out. Like yeah. he's smoking the tires. It was, it was this, on it. Picturing the Scooby-Doo bongos playing as you're holding him up. You understand? Indeed. Uh, so we have some stats from Oktoberfest Cincinnati. Are these not nearly as dire. Yeah, not not nearly as they're they're far more pleasant because they involve food. These are the stats oh, we wanted to find for Munich, but apparently no one keeps track of these nice stats. Yeah, it's very difficult to define for the big one, but I was gonna say I couldn't take more guys. I was just gonna have to kill myself if it was right. over. Yeah, these are much more pleasant. Um, though may get you hungry if you haven't eaten yet. Uh, so we have, and and these stats are as of as of last year, so 2014. Um, so this is probably like an average. So a few of these mets and sauerkraut balls were contributed <laughs> to us. Yeah. Uh, 87,542 metwursts consumed. 80,500 bratwursts. 64,000 sauerkraut balls. And if you're unfamiliar with those, it's like sauerkraut and a little bit of cheese deep fried into ball form, and it's delicious. Um, 56,250 sausages. Assorted sausages. Mm. Yeah. 24,640 potato pancakes. Mm. Also delicious. 23,004 soft pretzels. 20,000 cream puffs. 16,002 strudel, which are also freaking amazing. I just keep reading these and I'm just like, oh, yes. Uh, I can keep reading them, and I'm like, no, I didn't get a cream puff this year. Oh, <laughs> you're like man. taking stock. I'm just, I, I'm stopping and thinking, like, what is that? What have I done with my life? I missed, I missed strudel. Oh, strudel's so good. Um, six thousand jumbo pickles, three thousand six hundred pounds of sauerkraut. Hold on, let's back up. Someone had pickles and they didn't tell me. I didn't see pickles like at all. I, I don't know what this jumbo either. pickle thing's about. Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, let's see. 1,875 pounds of German potato salad, 702 pounds of Limburger cheese. It's uh. inquired taste. <laughs> uh. There was an incident. That's why the laughter is happening. Um, I thought the smell was lingering, and then everyone's laughing, and I turn and see the Limburger cheese sitting on my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh Lastly, 700 pigtails and 400 pickled pig's feet. Only in Cincinnati. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm like, as you're listing some of them off, I'm just thinking, yeah, no, ate some of that, ate some of that, missed that. I would have liked the German potato salad. That stuff, because it's very different than regular, like, American standard potato salad. Um, there's, like, a, a tanginess to it. 
the sauerkraut I think I definitely got some of because I had probably two brats. <laughs> uh, I had some of that spicy metwurst, and that mm. was... Mm. Yeah, so we all went... Um, Oktoberfest Cincinnati is usually held in the middle of September. I will say as soon as we find out, we immediately start taking time off from our respective employers. Like, nope. Oh, yes, yes. yes this is an if, event for us. If you're going to travel in from out of town to attend, we suggest booking a hotel room in February. Because <laughs> Which sounds insane, but it's Cincinnati has a number of things that always fall on that weekend, such as the Cincinnati Comic Expo, which always is the same weekend as Oktoberfest. So that books up hotels rooms. And then there have also in the past been Cincinnati Reds games the exact same weekend. And like what happened this year, you had the Bengals home opener game that oh. Sunday. Yeah. So the rooms sell out fast, and I'm pretty sure it's around February before they take reservations for rooms. But you need to call in February to make your reservations. You, you have to book super early. But it seems to be in the same calendar year that's necessary. Some of them won't let you book too far out. Yeah. Now, I mean, there are some there are some hotels on that street. You can, if you book early enough, you can like just walk from your room, take an elevator, and then walk out. You're at the festivities. Um, but so we all went this year. Uh, we had a group of gosh, this at year, least fifteen of us. This year, the last four year. This is year five. Yeah, we have five for us. We have souvenir. So Oktoberfest Cincinnati gives um, souvenir plastic steins. For um, you can get them for just a bit more than the little plastic cup that you'd get the beer in otherwise, and we have one for every year that we've gone. They do a completely different design every year, um, for whatever their their motif is that year. And this year, they I think they were pretty cute. There was like a fedora and or not a fedora. What's the hat? Is that uh, the right hat? Like the German style like hat. I don't know what it's yeah, called. Yeah, I don't. It's not a fedora. No. But that green hat. You all know what we're you talking about. You know what we're about, talking so about. Stop judging us. You, <laughs> you know, the hat that comes with Lederhosen. You know what it is. You know what it is. Yeah. We're going to look that up later and just be wrong. But no, this, this, year, was, this year was pretty great. Uh, everybody, I think, enjoyed themselves. The only, I think the only downside that happened is that it did get pretty pretty misty. Like, it, didn't, it wasn't a, a hardcore rain, but it did get kind of damp. Um, Late enough in the day, you really don't care if it's raining. Yeah, we had all been kind of drunk by that point, I think. Not, not when you start at, you know, yeah. 10 in the morning, 11 in the morning. It's the only day, I think, in the year that we would all just be like, yeah, we pretty much look like alcoholics that day. Because the opening ceremony starts at 11.30 in the morning. And it, the opening ceremony always has an appearance by, uh, is it the founder or? Yeah, the founder, founder of Sam Adams, Jim yeah. Cook. Jim Cook comes. And the man's so in love with beer he sounds like he's drunk that he's, early in the morning. I'm convinced I, that it's that's just his face, but at the same time, he just looks so sloshed. That's why he. I think it's just he's so enthusiastic about it, and they are the main sponsor of Oktoberfest Cincinnati now. Look, I salute that man every year when he goes up there because I'm just that that man is living a dream, and it that, is. He is. That's one person you know is happy to go to work every day. Um, the so the thing that people may not realize is Samuel Adams, the brewery, which actually is Boston Brewing Company or Boston Beer Company. I'll have to look that up. But he was actually from Cincinnati, Ohio. And one of the biggest breweries for Sam Adams is in Cincinnati. Most of 
most of the Sam Adams beer comes from Cincinnati, not Boston. And his father, I believe, was a manager at a local brewery here way back when that had closed up. And out of nostalgia and love for that beer, he reopened it not as part of Boston Brewing. He just restarted that brewery and turned it back over. That man is passionate about what he does, that's for Hoodipole. sure. Hootapole. That was Hoodipole. the brewery. Oh, yes. Oh, right. okay. There's a few Hootapole drinks I like. <laughs> we should. We could almost do a whole episode on Samuel Adams. On, in reality, like, j- it. People aren't aware, I don't think, of how much they make now. I, I'm not not money wise, but how many different styles of beverages they make. They make a they lot m- of styles of beer and other beverages, and it's all readily available almost anywhere. Yeah, that's the thing. They don't just make beer. I think is what people need to realize, and that what they make separately is also really good when you're in the mood for it. Was there uh, was there anything about this year's Oktoberfest to stray away from the Sam Adams Love Fest? Anything mm. about this year's uh, uh, Oktoberfest you guys particularly enjoyed? Uh, well, well, this year they had the Craft Brewer Alley. Yeah. Oh yes, we got a picture in front of that sign. That was one of our big complaints. Has always been there are like with Cincinnati's budding craft brewers, they've never invited them out. Christian Moorline, which is, they restarted it for everyone in this area for craft brewing. They used to be the only one that was there, and they had a big presence, too, because they were a Mm co-sponsor. But this year, they had the Brewers Alley, and they had brewers, a lot of local and from all over the nation, showing up. And it was a blast down there, because you're getting the craft beers at the same price that you could walk out and get a Warsteiner or anything else. And I thought I thought it was going to be just local stuff, and I was I was pleasantly surprised to have, you know, they also had Dogfish Head, they had Sierra Nevada, oh, yeah. they had uh, Southern Tier, I think, they had uh, several other ones from, you know, well-known ones from across yeah, the country. Yeah. And yeah, they've got. I, I love the craft, the craft brewers aisle, despite being stealth IPA'd in that aisle. <laughs> I don't. I can't remember who it was from. I just remember there was a red ale that was in fact. Uh, it was a local Cincinnati brewer. <laughs> and I just went, yeah, I'll take that red ale. That sounds fun. And me and a friend take a drink, and we went, that is an IPA. That I feel I've been lied to. <laughs> and then I drank the rest of it because you know. Because beer. There. It was supposed to be an amber. Yeah, it was and amazing. it was definitely amber in color, which was odd because yeah, it was extremely hoppy for an amber. I mean, that's it was nuts. It may be me exaggerating it in my mind in hindsight, but I was like, man, this isn't even just an IPA. This is like a double IPA. What are you doing? All right, just drink it. And and maybe that's because like none of us really drink tons of really hoppy stuff on a regular basis. Yeah. But for I think we've all had enough ambers to know that that was some hoppy amber. <laughs> right. That's it. There was a number of places I I did enjoy. Uh, I always made our traditional stop at uh at Sam Adams. That was that was fun. They're right there in the square where they do the the keg tapping opening ceremony thing. So we you start up there. I will say this: if anyone plans on going to October Oktoberfest Cincinnati next year, get your commemorative mug. It's yes. totally a fun, cool thing as a keepsake souvenir, which you may or may not forget at your friend's uh, apartment. The thing that everybody starts out doing, and it seems 
pretty straightforward enough that so many people do it and get it right and end up, we're just going to call it winning. Uh, <laughs> so Samuel Adams has a booth set up where you can win a free hat. Now it's a, it's, the hat is made of a weird material, but it's a free hat and it's like the German style hat. It's got Sam Adams on it and the little feather sticking out of it. It's a nice hat that you wear around. Most people are wearing them throughout the day, but you just have to taste test I think three or four of their uh, little it's, samples of beers. It's three. Is it three? Okay. And I don't even think you have to do like I know last year you didn't even have to get them right. You just had to go up there and do it, and they'd <laughs> give you a hat. And it was like a parting gift. You're like, oh, good try. Here's a hat. So either way, you're getting a hat. Like, <laughs> but and you it's... you have to tell them which one is the Oktoberfest out of the ones that you try. And I think it's like the Boston Lager, something else, and the Oktoberfest. The first year we did it, it was the Oktoberfest, uh, their their pale ale or an IPA style, and, uh, yeah. and the the Boston Lager. Anyone else have fond memories? I feel like I've been hogging a lot of time there. I have a lot, but can't really share them. <laughs> <laughs> I was also very drunk. Probably want to get into what we're drinking. Drink with me, friend. What are you drinking, Justin? I'm drinking uh, the Hofbrau Munich Oktoberfest. Hmm. It is a Martzen style, 6.3% ABV. And uh, yeah, no, it is it is a Marzen. It is delicious, and I've been drinking on it this whole episode, and I'm about to take the last drink now. Well, way ahead of you on the last drink. Uh, yeah, mine's mine's gone. I try to pace myself. It doesn't always work out, yeah. <laughs> so I, I finished mine as well. Uh, we're actually drinking the same thing, so Chris and I. Because it was a big bottle, and I have work in the morning. And <laughs> if I had drank an entire bottle of this, I would have been a little drunk. <laughs> okay, so we're drinking Warlock by Southern Tier Brewing. And the style is actually an American double slash imperial stout, but it's a... An imperial stout brewed with pumpkin. Oh, more pumpkin. Yeah, there's not like a big pumpkin taste to it. There's just some spiciness to it. It's not like it's not like there's a giant pumpkin sitting inside that bottle. It's just <laughs> But it yeah, it's pretty intense. It's it's the one that we brought up in the pumpkin beer episode. Because this is ten point six percent alcohol by volume. <laughs> uh, a few drinks in, you pretty much feel what's going on. Yeah, you know, like you're you're aware of what kind of drink you're drinking. Uh, it's even got so it's got a nice description on here. The color is black. It's a full body, uh, moderate bitter, and it even says so many of these bottles are doing this now where it gives food pairing suggestions on the bottle. It says pair with spicy barbecue, roasted or smoked foods, and carrot cake. I was trying to look and see the size of the bottle. But basically, it's one of those really tall bottles, like a specialty kind of thing that you have oh, to buy. And... One of the, the big, okay. Yeah, like a wine bottle size, basically. I've got, got one of those, a buddy, uh, home-brewed for me that I'm just waiting for the okay to start drinking. <laughs> Is it still maturing a little? A little bit. Yeah. I believe uh, a growler of some immature beer was left in our fridge. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll let our mutual friend know. <laughs> All right. Well, is there uh, anything else we need to talk about tonight today? Uh, well, we do want to. So, just to wrap up, I guess uh, no other announcements that I can think of. But 
we are going to have all three of the first batch of these episodes out this week. So this is uh, the 27th of September, last weekend of September, and the hope is to have it out before, before the week is over, before this week is over. And once those three episodes are up, you'll have the, the three episodes to listen to, kind of get a feel for the show, be able to submit feedback. Feedback at haveadrinkshow.com is the email address. Or you can also do some comments on the website if you'd like uh, on the per episode basis even. And we're hoping to have a better feel for where we're at thanks to that information by the time we do the next episode. And if you want to do some of our work for us and suggest an episode, we're open to that. Right. We, we want ideas. We have a big list of stuff, but I'm sure there is something that we've forgotten. Uh, we keep thinking of things all the time. So by all means, everyone offer your feedback. Also, please rate us on iTunes. So go rate us there. Uh, you don't have to use iTunes to listen to the podcast, of course. You can use any kind of podcatcher app like Pocket Cast, Downcast, or something else. And then, of course, we also want to thank Alan Robinson for doing the music for the show. And we want to thank Len Peralta for the album art. So good. And all of these links to their stuff and our email address and everything can be found on the website, haveadrinkshow.com. Seriously, though, thank you all for listening. I guess we're, uh, we're out of here. Thanks, guys. Bye.